Welcome, everyone, to Season 3, Episode 84 of the Premier Pod. I'm your host, Yashbika, joined by my co-host, Tyler Chan. In this episode, we were joined by the boys from the relegation zone, Nathan Moore and Leigh Land. Um, we had a great conversation just about previewing a little bit of the Champions League, the Europa League, and some notable transfer news. Um, they had some great stuff to say, some great banter, so... You know, I really enjoyed it. I, I know, Tyler, you know, it was fun to have them on because we were on their podcast two weeks ago, I believe. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just some nice, nice, friendly uh, podcast sharing right there. Yeah. And Nathan actually was one of our first guests that we had on the podcast like a couple of years ago at this point now. So he's also one of our first reoccurring guests to come onto the show. And they just have so much knowledge on just the other leagues compared to what we know. <laughs> so yeah, we're just mostly Premier League. But for them, they got Syria, they got Bundesliga, the league in their back pocket. So they got a lot of insight that, you know, they brought up when we just asked like random things, random insights and random questions there. So that's going to be big to hear. So. It's going to be a good one for y'all. Yeah, definitely news about like Inter Milan, how they play. I know we asked Lay a couple questions about Jaden Sancho, Kai Havertz. Just a little bit more specific questions and, and stuff that you normally wouldn't see on a highlight video or on a box score. So some cool insight that, you know, someone that actually watches the league religiously, like we watch the Premier League that they can offer. But yeah, please enjoy the show. What's up, guys? We are joined at the Premier Pod by the boys at the Relegation Zone Pod. We're talking Nathan Moore and Lay. Thank you guys so much for taking the time out of your days to join us for this special podcast. If you guys didn't know, if you go back maybe two weeks ago, we were actually on the Relegation Zone podcast. We had some good banter just about the Premier League, um, a little bit about the FA Cup, and just overall European soccer topics in general. But, guys, can you go ahead and give us a quick little explainer for the premier pod fans out there what the relegation zone is and who you guys are and what teams you support yeah sure so what's up everybody this is nate um i guess lath just doesn't have a last name i was blessed in yasha's intro to have one um, (laughs) so yeah i'm nathan moore one of the hosts of the relegation zone pod and basically um if you like this podcast and you're probably going to like the relegation zone too uh we're not just premier league focused um but we do dive mostly into Bundesliga and Serie A because those are the two other leagues that really pique our interest. But everything from Champions League, Europa League, transfers, Leith, I'm sure, can talk a little bit about his... Uh, he considers himself quite the lead scout. I'm um, always trying to identify some, some other <laughs> talent. But yeah, basically, we really just screw around, try to have a lot of fun um, and talk about soccer. Yeah. yeah and uh, like I'm Leith Land. And like Nathan said, I'm kind of, I guess, the resident Bundesliga expert for the pod. <laughs> But I do try to dip my toes in some uh, scouting young players and talk about that. So that's pretty much what we do. Awesome. Well, to go ahead and jump right into it, we're talking about the Champions League. And obviously with the whole um, coronavirus pandemic and everything, obviously the Champions League had to be halted. But the Champions League matches are coming back this weekend. So it's going to be pretty cool to actually have Champions League on the weekends, almost like you're watching Sunday night football or something like that. Instead, you're watching Champions League on the weekends. But um, just a quick general question. Who do you guys think will actually win this competition? I know Tyler mentioned before we started recording that you can kind of throw form out the window, but Tyler, um, I guess I'll start off with you. Who do you think, who's your favorite right now to uh, win this competition? Mm, my favorite right now, just 
I, I'm not trying to have any Premier League, Premier Pod bias, but I have to say <laughs> like Man City because right now they are about to face Real Madrid in a second leg and they have an advantage right now. And I feel like the main team remaining in this competition besides maybe like Bayern Munich that have a really good chance of winning this is Real Madrid. So if Man City can knock them out, then I feel like Pep Guardiola has a pretty good chance and he has the fire to make sure that they can get all the way through and then maybe sneak sneak in the win because you know a lot of players that they had that are key players that are injured like Aguero and most importantly Emmerich Laporte is back from injury so I think just based on that they have a pretty good shot of making it all the way and just other teams that usually are pretty notable like say Barcelona they're not doing the best this season like Messi can't be the typical Messi he has been in the previous seasons and like certain other teams like PSG, Mbappe just got a pretty horrific ankle injury in a recent match from uh, Perrin, the center yeah. back from, uh, you know. So I think just little things like that is all going to accumulate. And then I think City have a pretty good chance of making it through yeah. and winning it all. No, it's good. I think um, I think that's a I think that's a pretty decent pick, and that's a fair shot because they've been destroying the Premier League. I will say mm-hmm. for me, uh, real quickly, I think the Real Madrid matchup is going to be a lot more difficult this time than it was when they first met because I think you know Real Madrid were slowly picking up form then, but they've been literally on fire since the restart. Um, as since like you know the La Liga came back and everything, and they captured the La Liga title. So, I mean, Real Madrid are going to be interesting. I thought it was pretty funny that. Gareth Bale didn't travel with the team. Uh, like Zidane basically had a quote saying that he was, I think he said something that he was eligible to come out, but he didn't travel with them. And, you know, we obviously know that the whole Gareth Bale situation, it just seems like a matter of time before, you know, he's shown out the door or something happens or he just becomes a professional golfer at this point because who knows. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I think, I think City is a good shot, but I have to put a little bit of faith in the kind of the wild card of the remaining teams is Atalanta uh, because they're playing PSG in the quarterfinals, but they were on fire in the Serie A and they've been making a lot of noise. And plus, I like seeing an uh, under, underdog story because I don't really have an affiliation. I know we're the premier pod and maybe root for City, but I'm going to see if Atalanta can do something that IX failed to do, which is make it all the way to the finals. So that's the team I'm kind of putting my money on if I had a Ooh. bet right now. But how about you guys, Nathan and Lay? Yeah, so to your point about Real Madrid, um, I think that whoever said that that the the second leg was going to be a whole lot more difficult for City, I think you're exactly right. Um, Real has looked a whole lot better since the restart. And I actually picked them to come from behind and claim La Liga over Barcelona on one of our podcasts. Leith did not. Just some (laughs) bullshit. But... um, my pick, I you know, I hate to give Leith too much credit here, but you know, I think Bayern are probably you know, granted they've been you know off since I don't know how many weeks it's been since the Bundesliga concluded, but before they quit playing, they were playing like the best team in the world. I still think um, no club you know definitively has more talent on in their squad than Bayern does, and on their day, I don't think you know if Bayern are playing as well as they. Can I don't think there's really any club that I would pick to beat them. But honestly, ask me in a week when the quarterfinal draws are set, because that might change a lot of who I think. <laughs> if Byron were to get a really tough draw, but I think right now that's who I'm leaning towards. 
Nice. Yeah, and I hate to share my bias early on, but I'm going to have to agree with that. Just because when you look at how everybody has played after the break, Byron have been one of the most consistent performers. And a lot of that does have to do with the depth that we have there and just kind of the attitude that Hansi Flick brings to the table. But I am glad that you mentioned, Yasha, the, uh, the Atlanta PSG, because that's a match that PSG hasn't played, who PSG was an early favorite early on for this to be the, their year. They haven't played it. Uh, a single match since early March. And Atalanta, mm-hmm. you know how dangerous that offense can be when it's clicking. I think that is one to definitely keep an eye on. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I know they've had a couple of, of warm-up games, but obviously the Mbappe injury pretty much hurts a lot of, the, a lot of their chances to progress. And, you know, I kind of wanted to point this question because, Leigh, I know you're the, you're the Bayern fan. You know, Germany was like the first league to kind of come back, the first major European league to come back, and they finished their season a lot earlier than you know, Premier League, La Liga, and City A. How much do you think that affects um, their performance against Chelsea? And maybe do they come out a lot more sluggish than uh, Chelsea just because of the extended break they've had to kind of prepare for this Champions League uh, competition? Well, you know, I mean, I am glad that it's coming back against Chelsea with the scoreline, how it is, the 3-0, mm-hmm. because I do think they will be a little rough on the passing. But... As far as sluggishness, I don't think that's going to be an issue with them just because, again, that mentality that Flick brings to the team. And they've also had another kind of a tune-in or a tune-up match with Marseille the other day, kind of got things clicking. So, yeah, they'll, they'll be, they won't be quite as sharp as they had been, given that they, it's been a while since they've played a straight professional game. But I don't think it'll take them too long to, clip, to click, and they've got a good, uh, I guess, cushion, I would say. Yeah, I think it's. Um, I, I just want to quickly put this out there. Um, obviously, Barcelona with Lionel Messi and Juventus with Cristiano Ronaldo. They're obviously still at the peak of their games and they're still performing well. Juventus, I think, you know, if they can get past Lyon, I think they have a pretty decent shot because they still have a very strong side, a very strong team. But however, Barcelona, Artur, I think the reports are that he's not going to be playing in these Champions League fixtures, obviously because of the whole transfer dealing with um, the reported news that, you know, Pjanic will be going to Barca and then Artur will be going to Juventus. But man, you know, I, I kind of feel bad for Messi, but also I, I feel like Messi sometimes can be kind of the catalyst for a lot of the problems at Barcelona. Sort of like, you know, where you're such a big superstar that people often frame the entire side for you. And when things don't start, when things don't go well, I think it's very easy to start putting pointing fingers and putting the blame on people. But, you know, I, I kind of feel bad for Messi uh, because... You know, this whole the whole Barcelona side. I don't know. Do you do you guys have faith in Barcelona getting past Napoli and then maybe making it into the semifinals? Or do you think they're just gonna end up, you know, obviously whenever we find out what the quarterfinal draws are, do you think they're just basically gonna get to get done in the quarterfinal round? I don't have faith in them at all, really. Oh wow. I, on our I think on one of our podcasts, we we spoke a bit about um Napoli in the season they've had in pretty good depth. And while they didn't exactly finish you know, where they would have wanted to in the league. I think they're somewhere around sixth. You know, they did make a great cup run, winning Coppa Italia against Juventus. Um, and, of course, they are level on aggregate right now um, with Barcelona. I'm not positive where the next match is. I think it's at the Camp Nou. Um, yeah. So that away goal for Barca might come in very handy for them from the first leg. But, you know, especially now a big question here, would – Osimhen, their new signing from Lille, 
I'm assuming he would not be made available since none of the other summer transfers are available for their club. Right. Yeah, I would I would assume so, right? He would be mm-hmm. not be available. Yeah. yeah. Well, that would be a big help for them. But even with the team that they have, with Dries Mertens and Lozano um, and Insigne and all those guys, you know, I think I think Napoli definitely has enough talent to to take down Barcelona because at this point, you know, in, in a one-off game, especially with all the downtime, both of these clubs will have had, I think anything can happen. So um, I would not be shocked at all if, if Napoli get the job done and move on to the quarterfinals. Yeah. yeah and especially in a camp new where there's not going to be any fans. So you won't have that kind of home advantage that you would see normally. But also when you look at just how the Barca board has been behaving as of late, you know, they've been shopping some players around. There's rooms of Samedu leaving and a few other guys. It just seems like they've already shifted their focus to next season. Not that they're not going to try to win this year, but it seems like they've already really started in-depth planning uh, to get ahead for next year. Yeah. Tyler, you yeah. got anything on it? Yeah, I was about to like just, just pile on top of this. Just, <laughs> this, <laughs> this sad anti-Barca train right now because they're just they've just been having a terrible second half of the season after corona it's just like the age of the team is really showing too it's just i don't know if they can really cope with this napoli side who even shocked liverpool during the group stages which i still remember <laughs> it's like oh my god <laughs> totally over it though as you can tell yeah i'm totally <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh man but i just don't think barca can even if they get past napoli's they you know we just listed all these other teams and i don't think they can get past all those teams and there's even teams that we'd even mention, like Atletico Madrid, that mm. are still out there that probably can, you know, play anti-football and then stop. Yeah, they shocked the best team game. in Europe, Liverpool. Yeah, these. Yeah, <laughs> it's just sad moments right here. But yeah. I mean, even <laughs> I, then, we'd even mention like Juve really having a chance amongst us four because I mean, <laughs> even in Syria, they almost didn't win the title during the last like few games. Like Inter almost snuck in and. Juve eventually won it by one point. But, you know, they still got Ronaldo. They still have, you know, the king of winning Champions, Champions League, League trophies. So, who knows? Maybe they could be, uh, like, a, a front runner too. But, like, there's just it's just so random right now. Like, we just can't really tell. It's just, it's just yeah, all, I, I, like, kind of epiphany right now. And I think what's really cool, what's going to be really fascinating is once we get past this round in the quarterfinals with the Europa and Champions League, it's, it's just all one-legged ties. So, it's literally... All the parody that you can envision is just thrown out the window. I mean, it's literally going to be a really crazy matchup because there's no longer going to be that. If Jose Mourinho was in this competition, there's no longer going to be like, oh, let me play defensive for the first leg and see what I can win, see what I can get and take into the second leg. It's like, no, you have to go. If you're losing, you have to go gun-ho and just try to win it. But shifting our focus to the Europa League, you know, notable clubs that are still in here, Manchester United, Inter Milan, Wolves, Sevilla, Leverkusen. I know Nathan, you're the big Inter Milan fan. If that's uh, I, obviously your your number one fandom is Arsenal, but you did mention that Serie A wise, you do follow Inter Milan. Um, I think this one is very interesting because obviously Manchester United, the con- the pressure on them to win this competition now has dramatically fell off since they finished in the top four, got third place, and have secured Champions League. However, I think the fact that Mikel Arteta won a trophy with Arsenal with just being a manager in his interim season and the fact that Lampard made it all the way to a FA Cup final as well and lost. I think the pressure has also been enhanced, not on the club of Manchester United, but on the manager of Solskjaer to kind of, you know, show his worth and make it to a final. So I think we saw against um, 
LASIK that he was like a B team, but I wouldn't be surprised that if Manchester United kind of roll out an A team, I wouldn't say A plus, but maybe like an A minus team, uh, which will probably be just like their normal starting 11. But I think it's important for me at least to see if Manchester United can make it all the way to a final and just potentially win a trophy. Because I know there's the argument that, oh, you want to rest players for the next season. However, I don't think United are in that luxury where they're that good, where they can just kind of can in a competition. I think, you know, to build momentum, I think you need to start getting close to winning trophies or winning trophies. So I would like to see Manchester United go all the way and potentially get to the final and maybe meet Inter Milan. I think that would be a crazy matchup with the fact that they signed Lukaku, Ashley Young, Alexi Sanchez. So I, I would be all down for a Manchester United Inter Milan final. Yeah. Um, to your point about, you know, Solskjaer and what this means for him, I agree that, you know, at least in the public eye, you know, he's kind of looked at, you know, in the, in the recent weeks as the third best of these new managers in the Premier League. Um, mm-hmm. And I can certainly understand some motivation for him to, to at least reach a final. But, you know, while again, of course, Manchester United qualifying for Champions League through the Premier League means that this, you know, there's not the, the major motivation for winning this would be much higher had they finished out, outside the top four. They would have been in a position that Arsenal were in last year um, when yeah. they made it to the Europa League final where they absolutely had to win to secure Champions League football. We all know how yeah. that went. <laughs> I kind of disagree with your point about resting players because I really don't see any reason why Ole wouldn't play his best team from here on out because at most, I'm assuming that Europa League is going with what the Champions League is doing in the one-leg ties from here on out. Yeah, yeah, they're going to uh, be all in Germany playing the yeah. one-leg ties in so Germany. At most, you're what, playing three more matches? Um, yeah. I don't think you're really gaining or losing any potential rest either way. So with given that those are the only matches left to them because the Premier League season is finished, every other domestic cup is also done, I don't see why they wouldn't absolutely go for it. And with that in mind, you know, when Manchester United are playing at their peak, they're one hell of a tough team to beat. So um, I think you very well could see Manchester United get your get your wish and have see them in a final. <laughs> of course, it really depends on what the draw, how the draw shapes out. But um, they're definitely one of the favorites to go on as well. Um, but as far as, you know, the the other club close to my heart, Inter, who is growing more and more, you know, on me. I'm, I'm really starting to like Inter a lot, especially Dude, the... They- uh, They've got a powerhouse of a team, especially sending uh, Hakimi. I mean, come on, like Hakimi yeah. on the right side. I mean, they're they're slowly growing, and we're gonna mention this a little bit later. But the fact that they're basically discussing a trade swap for what, like Martin Skinyar for uh, Endombele. I mean, that's that's an insane deal for them to get that that quality of a midfielder. But all I'll say about them in regards to Europa League is, you know, I think they're subtly building one of the top rosters in Europe. And granted, we won't see Hakimi or potentially any other transfers in this competition. But, you know, with with their season all but over, except for these matches as well, I think you'll really see them go after it, even though they're in a similar position as United. And, you know, they finished it well inside the top four, nothing really to play for other than to win a trophy. But I think Conte will be highly motivated to take home a trophy in his first season at Inter. So I could see them really pushing forward as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Tyler or Lay, you got anything? Yeah. yeah for me, in here. Oh, or do you want to go? Yeah, I'll let, I'll let Lay go. <laughs> All right. Yeah, well, just uh, looking at it, you know, Wolves is another team that I think you got to mm-hmm. keep in the conversation just because 
of the teams that are in it, I think they're the one that really is going to feel that pressure. You know, they didn't get in the top four, and that was something that they were really aiming for. But winning, I think they're a team that they have the talent to go and win Europa League. It's just going to be whether they play consistently or not. And they, if they do that, they'll be able to get that Champions League spot that the whole project has been about. But granted, they are playing against, now I know you mentioned Ronaldo is kind of the king of Champions League. If you had to crown a king, a king of Europa League, you might as well just give it to Sevilla because they, yeah. they win it every year, it seems like. So that'd be tough. But I think Wolves are a team that you could really see in the final. Yeah. And just to add on to this list of notable teams still in the Europa League, you can even add Bayer Leverkusen into the mix because they still have Kai Havertz. They still have you know, Kevin Vollen, all these players that have been making a lot of noise in the Bundesliga too. So I think that on top of that, it's just going to be like a mixed bag. But I still think the top two are the teams that we've been mentioning just like continuously, which is Manchester United and Inter Milan. If there is a matchup that could happen like that, I think that's what it's going to be. I remember a few seasons ago, we were mentioning it's like, man, we're going to see like a Chelsea Arsenal final. And then it actually happened. <laughs> so I wouldn't be surprised if the kind of matchup that everyone's kind of expecting does kind of, you know, show yeah. up. I think but that's going to be the dream final. For, for That would be the dream final. That'd yeah, be even very, for neutrals. Yeah. Even for neutrals, I feel like mm-hmm. it would be amazing. But I mean, it would be crazy to think if Wolves actually make it to the final because... You know, we've seen them all throughout the Premier League. They are not a wild card team. They've been consistent enough to be a good team. But when they're really clicking with, you know, Jimenez scoring goals, you know, Triore basically burning everyone for pace. They have Podence. They have so much pace with like Jota, Podence. Um, and then they have with the quality of Neves and uh, Moutinho. They can really, really hurt some teams on the counterattack. And the fact that they're playing in like this one-legged tie, I feel like it just puts that um, it just plays into their hands a little bit more, but they do have a tough test against Sevilla. So it'll be interesting to see if Wolves can actually make it past uh, the Kings of the Europa League. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But quickly going on to our next section, which I am really excited about is the transfer season. Obviously it is a little bit weird this time. I think the transfer mark, the transfer window is stretching into October, right? Yeah. Am Am I correct? Yeah. Yeah really weird but obviously with the times they had to adjust but some there have been some pretty big news coming out recently i think the biggest one we have to start with is manchester united i'm super excited about it manchester united are in talks with borussia dortmund to sign winger um the young young english winger Jaden sancho obviously everyone's heard of him and his game um everything i've been hearing from a very reliable reporter i'm sure a lot of people know is um fabriziano uh, romano he has reported that all personal terms are agreed with the player. However, it's just up to the Manchester United and Dortmund to figure out a fee. And that's been the biggest thing. And um, he's con- consistently said on Twitter and all the reports, he's saying that this transfer is going to take some time because both clubs are kind of playing hardball where Manchester United don't really want to budge in terms of um, paying more money for him. And Dortmund don't really want to budge their figure. So it's going to play out sort of like where the Bruno Fernandes thing, hopefully where they kind of just find a soft spot and they can meet in the middle middle, and United can grab their player. It's a little frustrating, I would say, as a Manchester United fan because you see teams like Chelsea um, quickly snatch up players and then Man City signing Nathan Ake and Fernand, uh, Fernand Torres really quickly, like basically at the start of the window. But I do get it because United have, you know, the past five or six years kind of been taking a roundabout in terms of players, like just, um, you know, 
paying the fees that they kind of asked for in the beginning. I mean, we saw how much it's burnt them with the likes of Bastian Schweinsteiger, you know, Morgan Schneiderlin, um, you know, the list goes on and on. Alexi Sanchez, obviously, but I'm super excited. Um, I want to know from you guys, do you guys actually think this could happen or do you feel like the price is just going to be too high for him considering we're in this pandemic and all that? I still think it's going to end up happening because Solskjaer really wants him. And I think, if United want to take the next step, they have to keep improving the squad and Sancho would definitely improve the squad a lot. Yeah, Tyler, I'll let you uh, go ahead and start this next one. All right. So for me on this, I, I feel like Manchester United, very rarely have I seen a situation where it's like, oh, a player's too expensive. We can't get them. I think, <laughs> <laughs> I think this is a situation where Manchester United are going to use, you know, their big guns as being one of the biggest clubs in the world and just be like, you know, we'll, we'll pull the truck and get them. It, it really bums me out as a Liverpool fan to see Jaden Sancho go to Manchester United because he was, he, he's a really good prospect and he had 20 goals, 20 assists, I believe, um, this season. So I think just having that just added on to the team, wherever, whatever team he gets put it on, that would be just a big addition. Like he will just be able to create and whether it be for someone else or to set up a goal for himself and just score. So I think just little things like that will be big. And also just being an English player, that will also bring a lot to the team because I believe there's like regulations where like now you have to have, you know, a certain amount of English players on your team. You can't be like Man City. (laughs) (laughs) There's like a bunch of, you know, foreign players that just goes against the Premier League. So It'll be. It'll also be like a kind of kick in the shin to Manchester City, and if Manchester United do get him, since he'll literally be going from City to Dortmund, and then from Dortmund to United. So, I I also I don't know. Do you do you believe that the Sanchez move is for sure going to happen? Because I think that might be the only thing maybe holding it back. Because there's a lot of wages in that Sanchez contract right now so yeah i think it's i believe is going to probably get a big contract himself yeah i think um i actually think it is confirmed because i think the inter milan president or ceo like basically said we are signing alexi sanchez and romano um did tweet out that you know the deal will happen it's basically i believe united are letting him go for free but obviously the biggest reason was they're just getting rid of his like massive wage that he was on. And I think that was the biggest thing. So they can save a lot on the wage bill. Um, but Nathan, correct me if I'm wrong. Was that, that was, that was a dealing, right? It was just basically they're giving him for free, but they're just taking on the wages. Yeah. So I pulled up an article prior to recording here. I've got it in front of me. Um, Sanchez would have earned a little over 40 million euros over the next yeah. seasons in wages, but um, he has waived that contract um, to join Inter, and Inter is going to be paying him about 28 for the next three years. Um, yeah, but yeah, it was a free transfer, basically just getting his wages off the books for United. Yeah, and I think even when he did go out on loan, United basically paid more than half of his wages. Yeah, they literally had to pay more than half his wages to get someone to take him. Um, so it, it's, it was a pretty ridiculous contract to start off with. Dude, the piano man. I mean, I think once he, <laughs> once he's gone, then, then we'll see Sancho potentially coming in, but I think it's, we have to wait for Sanchez first to leave. Yeah. Lay, I want to know from your opinion, cause obviously, um, you're the big Bundesliga guy and you've all, you've watched a lot of Bundesliga, but you know what I've seen from Sanchez, cause I don't watch Bundesliga religi- religiously. I've seen highlights on YouTube and such, but from someone that watches the league on a daily what can you kind of what can the Premier League kind of expect from him? Obviously, we know his goal scoring and assists, but what else does he really offer 
that we may not necessarily see on a box score or like a YouTube highlight video? Well, just from watching them week in and week out, the first thing that you got to keep in mind is that Sancho is a player that commands the entire team's attention. So even when he's not making an impact, let's say stats wise, the whole team is fixated on him and things just open up. I can't tell you how many goals I've seen against Bayern where we contained Sancho because we designated a man or two or three, try to keep him in check. And then we just completely just obliterated on the other side of the field. So just, he's someone that you put him in the team and all the focus just comes on him. Really creative player. And it just, he opens up a lot. Now, in terms of whether the deal is going to happen, just due to the sheer number of rumors and links and what everybody's saying, I would be shocked if it didn't. And I know Dortmund, they're really, they've been known as a selling team. They're in a position now, they've sold enough, they don't really have to sell unless they're offered a, a massive fee. But when you look at like how soccer deals are done nowadays, I mean, Nathan can back me up here. Nicholas Pepe, I know it was 80 million to get him, but that's going to be yeah. paid in installments over the course of a few years. So my prediction for the Sancho deal is that it will go through, but they'll have to offer at least a decent sized lump sum for this year and then just keep doing some installments probably for the next couple of years. But I think it's a, to a point where it's just expected that it'll happen and everything's just kind of falling into place for that to be the case. Yeah, no, I think I, I actually have heard that um, reports where it's basically the fee is going to be paid out in uh, installments, sort of like the Pepe deal. But not to put too much um, thought into Sancho right now, um, Nathan, I want to bring you in here. Arsenal, a lot of talks for them are potentially signing free agent Willian from Chelsea for reported ESPN FC. One of their reporters um, reported it that a close to 100K a week to sign the uh, the winger Willian, the Brazilian winger. Um you know, he's been he's been a pretty solid performer at the club. I think a lot of times, you know, with him playing on on the opposite flank of Eden Hazard, the attention obviously went to Hazard and we kind of didn't really acknowledge some of the good things that Willian does provide. But obviously he still has a buttload of pace. He's still quality when it comes to like getting free kicks in and you know, he can still perform at a high pretty decently high level. Do you think Nathan, I want to ask you this, do you think that that is too much? Um, giving him that much money for, I think, what is he, like a 32-year-old or 31-year-old winger? Um, and also, are you a fan of this move that Arsenal are potentially trying to get him in? Yeah, so first and foremost, um, when we're talking about the Sancho deal, obviously that's very much still up in the air as to whether or not it'll happen. I think we can basically assume that the Willian deal is largely done because usually once ESPN you know, gets involved in transfer news. They're usually one of the <laughs> ones, honestly. To, yeah. To, um, now, if it's coming from Ellie Keefe or, you know, <laughs> yeah, the son, any the unnamed son. Italian media, you know, <laughs> don't have to give it a whole lot of credence. But I think we can feel pretty confident that this move will happen. Um, and as far as, you know, the logistics and how, what I think this means for Arsenal, you know, I've actually always been high on Willian. I can't tell you how many Chelsea games against Arsenal where he has been the player on the field for them that scared me the most. Um, in this past game in the FA Cup, I think Pulisic has now taken over that role, which that sucks for the next two years. We're going to have to deal with that. <laughs> but, I mean, Willian, what he does really well is something that apart from Pepe, Arsenal are lacking a lot of at the moment. That's somebody who is extremely comfortable with the ball at their feet and when given the opportunity just runs at the defense. Um, you know, doesn't the under 
Emery especially, and they're kind of getting better at it under Arsenal, the the first inclination of basically everybody in the midfield was hold on to the ball. If you have to move it laterally or even backwards if necessary. Um, and part of the reason I like guys like Mason Greenwood so much is their, you know, fearlessness in just taking the ball on the turn and going towards the touchline. Cause a lot of good things come from that. And so I think William has always been a really big part of Chelsea. So on the one hand, you know, I'm, it's good for Arsenal in that a you're hurting Chelsea by him leaving period, because from the rumors and the quotes that I've seen, Lampard was keen on keeping him, but mm-hmm. the board or the higher ups couldn't agree, you know, weren't willing to match what he wanted wage wise. Um, so from an Arsenal perspective, you know, you hurt one rival while at the same time, adding uh, a, a good player to your squad. Now, you know, a hundred K a week for a 32 year old, a little high, but then again, I don't exactly know, you know, what every other squad member on Arsenal is getting paid either. So I'm imagining that's a relatively similar wage bill to most of the players. But my mm-hmm. biggest thing with this move is what does it mean? You know, where does he fit into this lineup? Because, of course, with the with the two domestic cups, the Premier League, and now, thank God, since they won the FA Cup, Arsenal will be in Europe next year. So there's plenty <laughs> of games to go around. So I don't think, you know, Pepe needs to be sweating over his starting job. But, you know, I think Arteta, he's shown in his brief time at Arsenal already that, he is a shrewd and prudent manager to where he will play whoever he thinks is playing the best or gives them the best chance to win that weekend. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think it adds a lot of competition on that right side for Pepe and hopefully brings out the best in both of them. But I think it's a smart move, um, especially since you, you know, detract from a direct rival and add them to your team. We saw, you know, how that worked out for Chelsea and Giroud. You know, I think yeah. in, in that sense, that was a move where I was kind of fine with as an Arsenal fan, letting Giroud go. But of course he burned us in a couple of, in in multiple games, especially in Baku in the Europa League final last year. So it's nice to see Arsenal kind of on the other end of that. But, you know, it remains to be seen how he'll, how he'll fit in. But William has always been a player that I liked on Chelsea. And so I'm excited to see, you know, what he can do at Arsenal. Yeah. Tyler, do you have anything about William signing for, uh, potentially signing for Arsenal? I feel like when he was at Chelsea, he was kind of... I don't know if people really underrated him, but I never saw anyone have a Willian jersey. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was <laughs> that is like, true. He's like, we know he's good. You know, he's we know he's a player that if you could start him, you usually start him. But he's never a player. It's like, all right, he is the go-to guy that we're going to have. Like, he's like the star man for the team. You gave him, like, the number 10. And, like, even then, it's like, eh. You know, he's just he's just there. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's, he's just good. But I think he's going to be... If anything, he has helped Chelsea win a lot of things too, like win a lot of trophies. And like you don't really think about that. And he, you know, bring that to Arsenal, I think will help in just like the little bit of helping Arsenal kind of find their care, you know, their what's it called? Their identity. Mm-hmm. And I think under Arteta, that's gonna be gonna be a very interesting way to bring in, you know, as Nathan said, an a rival teams player and then instantly make an impact because you know William he even though he is 32 I feel like he's still tearing it up it's not like Pedro where yeah he kind of like saw his age lost like, all uh, his pace <laughs> he lost all the pace but <laughs> William he's still he's still going pretty strong yeah but yeah we'll I, I 
I do remember when Jose Mourinho was a Manchester United manager, he was trying to replace Marcial with either Willian or um, Perisic. And obviously both of those deals didn't happen. So even Mourinho loved Willian. I mean, he actually loved him as a player. So, you know, I think Willian is definitely a good buy. I think it's a pretty smart move considering all the reports that Arsenal won't have a big treasure chest to like, you know, spend a lot of cash on. Getting someone on the free, a free transfer will definitely help in terms of trying to boost their squad and uh, making those smart signings. But moving on to the other side, um, their North London rivals is Tottenham. You know, Tottenham are making some news in the transfer window. Basically, Romano confirmed that Tottenham will be signing Pierre-Emil Hoiberg from Southampton for 15 mil. And there are talks that Jose Mourinho is having uh, potentially a swap deal with Inter Milan that we mentioned before, swapping Tangui Ndombele for uh, Milan's Skriniar. I, I believe I'm saying his last name right. It's a little bit little difficult, so excuse me on that. So basically, Tottenham are making some big news there. I personally, I don't agree with the Hoiberg transfer. I guess like it's a good deal. You know, 15 million for a Premier League proven player isn't bad, but I feel like they have better players to play that, you know, that center defensive role, you know, like Musa Sissoko, Lo Celso. Um, I think they have better quality players. And it is unfortunate that Ndombele won't be getting a chance to really succeed in the Premier League, even though he had a pretty disastrous first season. I think it's a pretty ruthless move by Mourinho, but I do see the reason for bringing Skriniar because obviously Jan Vertonghen Vertonghen um, has confirmed that he's left the club. So, you know, Tottenham making some news there. I mean, what do, what do you guys think? I think it's a, I think it's like, it's a little bit weird on my end for Tottenham because I think for what they want to achieve, I think they probably should be looking for more quality players. But I mean, it doesn't hurt to have depth, I guess. Mm-hmm. I, I think for this one, it just, it was just so weird to me because it didn't really feel like an upgrade bringing in Hoybier. But I just remember back in the days, Hoybier. I believe once was on Bayern Munich. If yeah, correctly. <laughs> yeah. So he is one of those up and coming players, like one of those players that you can possibly bring in and then become, you know, a, a star. But Lay, do you have any insight being the Bayern man for <laughs> maybe um, something for Hoybier that we didn't really see at Southampton, and then maybe he might unlock while he's at Tottenham? Well, you know, when he was at Bayern. And this, of course, this is when he was younger and they're putting labels on him. One of the things they'd like to say was that he was going to be the Danish Busquets. That was already wow. a mistake because when you put that kind of name and pressure on a young <laughs> player, it never really tends to work out. But you can see why they did that at the time because his passing was there. He's a great defensive midfielder. We all know Mourinho. If he's going to bring in anything into a team, it's going to be someone with defensive qualities. So I can see where he fits the bill at Tottenham. And then also the fact that, you know, they've been trying to replace – Musa Dembele for a while now, just that transition player that kind of, you know, he has the defensive skill, but he can also dribble through the middle of the park and it just haven't been able to find someone. So I think Hoiberg is a cheap option that kind of fits that mold and playing style, but there are times just looking at it. And some of the reason of why he didn't make it iron is he tends to be really sloppy with the ball uh, in the midfield and his passing accuracy isn't that great. So he's someone that I think you're right. As a depth piece, it makes a lot of sense, but I don't picture him being very important to that side uh, at the start. Yeah, and Nathan, um, speaking about your Inter Milan fan, is how what 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 are you thinking about the fact that you guys could potentially get Endombele? Um, but obviously, you're losing one of your you know one of your good def- good defenders. But what how how are you feeling about this potential swap deal that's going on? Yeah, so I really rate 
Screenyar. Actually, I think he's subtly one of the probably top. I mean, without you know, without having a list of them in front of me, I mean, not a stretch to say <laughs> top 10, 15 center back in the world, probably. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, when Ndombele was coming out of what was it, Lyon? Was it when mm-hmm. he was linked to Spurs, or where was where was he coming from? Before yeah, he's Spurs? from Lyon. Yeah, yeah. So I remember all the hype around him and how you know he was supposed to be, you know, this incredible engine in the midfield. And I was honestly, you know, I as as much as I love Arsenal and you know tend to uh, let that cloud my judgment when looking at Spurs. You know, I thought that was a really good move for them. Um, and so, obviously, that's a player that I'd like to see in an Inter shirt. But, you know, Inter, they've been linked with so many people this summer. Uh, now, granted, a lot of them have come through with Hakimi um, uh, being one of them. But, you know, at one point, Messi was linked with them. I know uh, <laughs> Conte from Chelsea, which that is actually one I really, really would like to see as that would kind of bring some, some, add some sting to Chelsea once more. But, you know, I think, I think in Dumbley needs a fresh start. I think, you know, just a case of the, the wrong team at the wrong time for him coming into Spurs and so much turmoil going on when he arrived with the last days of their previous manager, whose name is escaping me somehow, right now. Pochettino. Pochettino, yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> when Jose Mourinho comes in, that turns everything upside down anyway. Um, and as Mourinho does, he kind of picks players to pick on, especially in the media. And then Dombele has kind of been the guy that he's focused <laughs> a lot of his ire on. So I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure the manager and the player are pretty eager to part ways. So it wouldn't shock me if he leaves Tottenham this summer now where he'll go i don't know i don't know how much you know we'll have to wait to see developments on if that swap deal is something that could realistically happen but i think it makes a lot of sense for either side um inter could definitely use a player like Ndombele, and i think he could really succeed in the Serie A. and then spurs need a lot of help everywhere but a top class center back would do them a lot of good as well yeah, it seems like the Mourinho formula, fix up the defense first and then worry about the attack later. And I think that's what he's kind of going for. But Manchester City, man, I'm a little upset because they're basically right now buying themselves back into first place in the Premier League next season because they've signed, confirmed the signing for Nathan Ake on a five-year deal, I believe, for $40 million. And then they signed uh, Valencia winger Fernand Torres. However... Uh, basically a situation that Manchester United had way back in the day in like 2008 or 2007 with Gerald Piquet, where he was part of the Barca Academy, left, came to United, succeeded a little bit, and then decided to head head back to Barcelona. Eric Garcina, Garcia is in the same vein where he's a top quality. I would, I would rate him as probably the second best center back at the club right now, um, even better than Nathan Ake um, next to Merrick Laporte, is pushing to leave the club. Um, to go back to Barcelona. So it would be a huge loss for City if that happens. But, you know, I don't know. I, I, I'm i just upset that Manchester City can continue to do this because literally the their oil money that comes in, there's no repercussions. Like Chelsea and City, they just have abundance of money. And it just seems like they can kind of just spend, spend, spend and not really worry about it because, you know, since Pep has come in, literally that's all they've done is just buy defenders. I mean, we're talking about Kyle Walker, Mendy, Laporte, Stones, now Ake. So, there too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah Mangala. Mangala. <laughs> One of the worst center backs of all time. But, man, I, I'm upset. He's good in FIFA. <laughs> yeah, he is good at FIFA. But, man, I'm upset. Tyler, you must be really infuriated the fact that City are just buying themselves back into the league again. 
I'm I'm a little just confused about Nathan Ake going for 40 million being a relegation player because you know when you see a team get relegated usually it's like a fire sale it's like all right I can probably get a player for a pretty you know cheap deal like when Liverpool got shooting Shakiri they got him for like 13 million like it was something oh, yeah, really Jeannie, low Genie Wijnaldum yeah Genie Wijnaldum they got him for from Newcastle for you know just around that too so it's or like you know 20 around there but even then. Forty million for Nathan Ake? I don't know. He, Bournemouth weren't really the cornerstone of defense either, so <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they might employ Nathan Ake to be, you know, a different position. Maybe CDM or something like that, like his like his dad, <laughs> like Root Hullet. Maybe he'll come back. Yeah, already has the dreads, so maybe that could be a thing. But I, I'm a little bit curious about this uh, Torres, Ferran Torres, because I actually don't know too much about him, but. Nathan or Lay, do you know a little bit more about Torres like while he was at Valencia? Because from what I can see, he's looking to be like the Sané replacement. Yeah. I don't really know too much about him. Uh, well, Lay, if you do, <laughs> I know I'm going to get some <laughs> stats on him right now. But um, in, in regards to the other moves that, that City are making, I'm kind of with you guys um, in regards that, you know, after all this moaning that that Pep was doing about being accused of the of the violations in the UEFA, <laughs> getting off of it, and then turning around and and trying to snap back at Arsenal, Manchester United, basically every other club that wanted to see them go down because of this, and rightfully so, I believe. Now they just basically spitting in the face of financial fair play this summer. And hey, you know what? If it was my club, I wouldn't be mad. Um, so I guess you know you do what you can but in terms of the Nathan Ake deal you know the 40 million number doesn't actually shock me because there's just this crazy premium on English talent especially any basically if there's an English player that has played or made more than like 60 Premier League appearances and is kind of regarded as being decent it's going to be at least 20 million like for that no matter what um and so he's a guy that Obviously, Pep Guardiola rates pretty highly, but I don't think just because he's coming from a relegated side means that, you know, granted, that defense was horrible. You don't get relegated if you have a good defense, but, you know, Norwich also boasted a couple of, you know, I wouldn't have, Tyler, you of all people, I don't think should be, should be, you know, downplaying defenders from relegated <laughs> sides with, with Liverpool being linked. Yeah, Robertson. They yeah, have Robertson. Robertson from there. Well, yeah, but they're also, you know, I, I'm, not to just derail this topic here, but being linked with the left back from Norwich, not Max Ahrens, who's on the other side, but I forget the other guy's name. Uh, Lewis. Um, yeah, John Lewis, something like that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But either <laughs> way, either way, I think Ake is a decent player, but I, I think I agree with you. $40 million is a bit tough. Um, but again, money's never been an object to City. That's just it. They could afford to to miss out on, or, you know, to, to have these transfers flop with the vast list of center backs and defenders we named going into this segment. City can afford to be wrong about these things because the money just doesn't really matter to them. You know, Arsenal spending $35 million on Mustafi, like that really kind of hurt the bank for Arsenal there. <laughs> um, but City can afford to be wrong about Mangala and potentially wrong about Stones and maybe even wrong about Ake. I guess we'll just have to see. Um, and clearly, you know, they don't see him as the answer to the problem because I still see them heavily linked with Koulibaly. Um, and of course, they do have mm-hmm. Eric Laporte. Now they've got questions to be answered with Garcia and his apparent leadings to leave. But 
back to Ferran Torres, and then I'll let Lace have it here. Just looking at his stat line here from this season in La Liga, four goals, five assists in 34 games um, in total, including Champions League, Copa del Rey, and the uh, Supercopa, 44 appearances, six goals, eight assists. So, you know, let's see if, I guess, if Pep can unlock um, something in him. But he's a really young player, just 20 years old. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. back on the the Ake real quick. I I think part of the reason that that, that fee is going to be so high is I'm pretty sure Chelsea have a sell on clause uh, in that contract, so oh, okay. they'll, they'll receive a portion of those funds. So they've obviously had to raise it up a little bit. But I, I agree. I thought it was a really mysterious move to me, considering uh, Eric Garcia and how he. You got to think it's just a gut punch to him. You know, he had just worked his way into the side. He was really starting to get some playing time. He went down with a pretty brutal injury, I believe, if I'm correct. But, uh, and now mm-hmm. it seems like they're just restocking center back. They're bringing in another young player, not just a star, a young player who they can try to develop. And I, I think just, I think in Eric Garcia's mind is that they see, he sees Ake as someone who's going to steal a lot of playing time from him. And it would it would seem logical for him to return home to Barca at that point. Yeah, and also Nathan Ake kind of um, he kind of plays like the Manchester City way, where he's kind of a he's not very a physically demanding center back. He's more of a ball playing, you know, yeah. passing center back. So I think it kind of fits the mold of what City trying to are trying to build. But I really don't think Ake is the answer at center back for them. I think they need like a beast like they had with Vincent company that was able to lead them to two, two back-to-back titles under Pep. So I think they need to find someone like that. So maybe like a and Koulibaly and such, but mm-hmm. to round like up the leader. transfer window, uh, uh, real quickly. The last person is Kai Havertz has been pushing, literally pushing Romano has been tweeting that he's been pushing for a move, uh, pushing the Bayer Leverkusen board to get him to Chelsea. Um, obviously, I think we all know the the talents for him. You know, it's going to be insane if Chelsea actually pull this transfer off and the fact that they signed Ziyech, Werner, and Kai Havertz in one transfer window. I think they're going to have, if they do sign him, I think they're going to have one of the most potent and deadliest attacks in the Premier League next season. However, I don't think they're going to come anywhere close to winning the Premier League title because if they don't address that defense and the goalkeeping situation, they're literally just going to be fighting for third and fourth place again because, you know, we saw with Liverpool, no matter how good your attack is, if your defense can't really hold and balance out the weight, you're not going to really go anywhere in the league. You might make a couple of big surprises here and there, but overall, the consistency is not going to be there. So I would prefer Chelsea, just so they don't get Havertz, obviously. I would prefer them to go take this money that they would invest in Havertz and go invest it into a top quality center back, a defender, maybe even a goalkeeper and go that way rather than go all in for Havertz and have such a bad defense going into next season. I was wondering why they didn't do the buyback clause for Ake because then isn't that a thing? (laughs) So yeah, if they included it. Yeah. And I'm wondering like, you know, they had the opportunity to get Ake, but then they didn't. And then now they're going after Kai Havertz. I don't even know if they can really get Kai because he is, from what I'm kind of hearing from the Bundesliga side, at least, and probably like can, get, can um, you know, lean in on this. But I feel like Bayern Leverkusen, like that's like their Wilfred Zaha of the team. It's like if he if Kai is gone, then that could that's like a big hole that I don't know if Leverkusen can really fill if he does go. Yeah, I mean, he's, I'm, I'm incredibly high up on Kai Havertz, and I had such high hopes of him to end up at Bayern. Oh, because he fits their, 
Oh yeah. man, not yeah. another good German player going to Bayern, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's if you look, he's the optimal Muller replacement. He just fits in so perfectly. He'd be able to interchange mm-hmm. uh, play with Serge Gnabry on the right. But I'm getting too. <laughs> I know something that's not going to happen a little too much here. But yeah, I think that he is a player that they said they will not let him go for anything under a hundred mil as they should, yeah. they should sell him for a ton because he's one of the best young players and one of the most composed young players I have ever seen with my brief time of just monitoring uh, the league. But yeah, I, I did not think I would see a transfer window where Hakeem Ziyech and Kai Havers go to the same team. If they can pull that off. That's just unbelievable. Yeah. I am kind of with Yash and, just biasly really hope this doesn't happen um, just as a team that is going to be directly competing with Arsenal for the top four. But from a, you know, objective perspective, I think if Chelsea do pull this off, I really honestly consider it will be one of the biggest, not highway robberies is the right word, but like they will have gotten away with this because I think if this was any other window, if the coronavirus, you know, isn't a factor financially, there's no reason a host of other top clubs don't beat Chelsea to this move because yeah, but just strangely, it's only Chelsea really that are really pushing for Havertz. Um, yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense because he's a player that every other top club has at some point expressed some interest to him in the past couple of years because this is by no means the first real transfer saga with him. It's definitely the most intense, but we were kind of wondering if he was going to leave last summer. There was rumors even of a departure even the summer before that. But Chelsea are in this crazy spot where they can afford to spend more than – they can basically afford to outspend just about anyone else in the world at the moment due to their – Roman Abramovich. Yeah, Roman Abramovich and the <laughs> fact that they've been saving up two windows worth of money thanks to a uh, financial fair play ban, which didn't hurt them at all really because now <laughs> coming back to help them in this scenario. So – I don't even think really, of course, I don't have any insider information. I certainly don't, you know, have Havertz's second cousin twice removed in my phone and talking to him, but I don't, <laughs> I don't think Havertz really cares exactly where he goes. I think he just really wants to go now. And so that puts Chelsea in the best position to sign him because, mm. you know, I think if under a normal window, you'd probably have Real Madrid, maybe even Barcelona, potentially. City and definitely Bayern all kind of hovering around Havertz. I know he was heavily linked with Liverpool at one point um, within the past year. Mm-hmm. Chelsea wouldn't, under normal circumstances, have a real fight to attract his interest. But I think he's just so desperate for a move to get out of Leverkusen that that there's a decent chance we see this happen. But at the same time, you know, I, I agree with Leith in in the fact that. Leverkusen are not going to let him go for less than what they think he's worth, as is well within their right. And I just don't know if the Chelsea board really looks hard at their finances and the way that that defense is looking. You know, <laughs> after having spent around $100 million on two attackers, I don't know if it makes a whole lot of sense for them to go do it again on a third. Yeah, especially since Kepa is your goalkeeper, I think you really need to uh, really rethink your strategy as a club if Kepa is your leading goal goalkeeper. <laughs> um, but yeah, that kind of rounds up the uh, the transfer stuff, and that's pretty much like all the topics we had. Unless you guys had anything um, that was you know eating at your mind uh, that we didn't discuss or point out. Uh, no, 
Nah, I guess, really. yeah, I guess we're good. But yeah, this was an awesome episode. Um, you know, again, we were recording a feature, like this is a special episode that we're recording with the people, with the boys at the Relegation Zone Pod. Please make sure to check them out. I believe um, your Twitter and Instagram handle is just the Relegation Zone Pod, correct? Yeah, so Instagram is the Relegation Zone Pod. Um, and then the Twitter is at Relegation Zone. Um, technically, it has a zero in for the O in zone, but I'm pretty sure if you look it up, it'll come up. Yeah, and it's a picture of Phil Jones, right? Yeah. A face? Okay, that's the Twitter one. But yeah, please make sure to give him a follow on those social media channels. Also, please subscribe and check out their pot their podcast. Like like you like we mentioned before, they are another soccer podcast. Don't they don't strictly stick to the Premier League, but they do kind of cover all the topics um, covering European soccer. So they they got some great content there. So please make sure to subscribe to them. Also, um, you know, thank you guys so much for listening, um, guys. Uh, thank you guys so much for coming on. We really do appreciate it. And you guys were great. Yeah. Thanks for having us thanks. on. Man. It's always good to, uh, to dive into some Premier League. Yeah, of oh, course. Man. Yeah. Hopefully. hopefully we can get you on again, Nathan. I know, uh, I don't know if Lay lets you talk too much about Premier League. I know you said last time that you feel like you're just ranting a lot on your pod, but <laughs> yeah, whenever you want to have a good Premier League talk, you guys are more than welcome to come back mm-hmm. uh, for another show. Yes, sir. Yeah. Thank you guys. Yeah, it was a great conversation with them. I really enjoyed it. Um, I think, you know, like like we said before, please make sure to follow them on the social media channels at The Relegation Zone. Please make sure to subscribe to them at The Relegation Zone Pod. They've got some great content out there. But yeah, that kind of wraps up our show. Thank you guys so much. Please make sure to rate, comment, subscribe. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The, the Premier Pod. Also, our YouTube channel, subscribe to that to get the shows on there as well at The Premier Pod. But yeah, please make sure to subscribe. Make sure to leave a rating if you like it because um, the more ratings you leave, it kind of helps us boost our, um, boost our chances of getting seen more to other people as well so they can enjoy the content as well. But like, like, like we said before, we really do appreciate all the support and thank you guys so much. Peace. Peace.